Our scripture reading today comes from Psalm 73. Psalm 73, reading from verse 21 to 28. Psalm 73, verse 21 to 28. The Bible says, When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of your works. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Very warm welcome to you. Those who are visiting from, was it Texas? Welcome. And from Botswana. And also those who are joining online, you are hearing or seeing me, we want to welcome you. There are some who haven't been here for a while. You are most welcome. So today I have the task of presenting a topical message that answers the question, how do we maintain our faith when we don't understand our circumstance? And especially when we face personal tragedy or hardship. So I found this a challenging task because, as some of you know, I also faced some personal loss. Some thieves broke in and stole very valuable property. So I was asking that very question. Lord, I don't understand. I don't know if pastor orchestrated, but it happened before. So there's no way he could have known. I was saying, I'm your servant. Why is this happening to me? Maybe you have similar questions yourself. You've lost a loved one in a sudden, unexpected loss. Perhaps you have been healthy, but you are now diagnosed with diabetes, heart condition, BP, or cancer. You are in school or college. You study hard, but you keep failing. Whereas others are playful, and they always fly through and pass. In the workplace, you know your department. You are qualified. But when it comes to promotion, you are overlooked. So our human nature is to ask, why? I don't understand. And what are some of the feelings we go through? Well, we have anger. We have resentment, we have anguish, sadness, some even depression. We know there's hope in Christ, but sometimes we struggle, isn't it? I know at CBC you don't struggle, your faith is strong. 
but I struggle. When innocent children suffer, we struggle to understand. So let's try to answer that question from the passage. How to maintain our faith even when we don't understand. You see, from this passage, the psalmist has a full range of emotions. He is struggling to comprehend what is happening around him. So we'll just pick the principles and we'll apply it to ourselves. Before I begin, let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we are honored that you've allowed us to meet and to sit around your words to learn from you this very important topic. Guide me as I speak. May your words be clear. May the hearts be receptive. And may we all apply your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'll begin with an overview of the psalm. So at least to have some context, we have an idea of what's happening. And then I'll focus on the key principles. So let's follow with me in your Bible. And we'll zoom in on the main principles when we begin there. So the book of Psalms itself, we call it the book of Psalms. But it's actually made up of five different books that were compiled over a long period of time. So this one is the beginning, the first psalm in book three. And as you can see there, the author is a guy named Asaph. Asaph was one of the leaders in David's, in the temple in David's time. If you look at First Chronicles. So what is this psalm talking about? It's basically a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. How the wicked prosper at the expense of the righteous. And the structure of it is sort of a a V-shaped. So the author starts in verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel. It's a good point, isn't it? It's something of faith. But as we look at verse 2 going down to verse 16, he begins to slide. He says, As for me, my feet came close to stumbling. He was slipping. You know, when your floor is polished, you try to walk on it, you slip and slide, isn't it? This is what's happening. He's sliding down as he's watching the lifestyles of these wicked people. If you look at verse 4, just briefly, it says, There are no pains in their death. Their body is fat. It's talking of health. They are healthy. They are strong. In their hearts, they are full of pride, arrogance, and violence, threatening violence. And their mouths, they scoff, they boast. Oh, look at me. Why are you going to church? I am doing it. You see? And they get to the point of challenging God. Verse 11 says, How does God know? Is there knowledge with the Most High? You see that arrogance? So Asaph is looking at this and he then summarizes and says, verse 12, The wicked are free of care. 
living at ease, always amassing wealth. We see it even today. The biggest cars, the biggest houses are theirs. So as he descends to the lowest part of this psalm, verse 13, he says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. So now he's looking at himself. Doubting his own faith. In other words, what have I gained from being a Christian? I am serving here, but my school friends are buying houses and cars, traveling around the world. For me, the fridge is always empty. Shannon has to look to say, what are we eating today? We struggle to get basic necessities. This is what he's doing. He's comparing. And he even says there, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Verse 16. He could not understand. And that's where we will depart from. Asaph was in a crisis of faith the lowest point in his life. Praise God, verse 17, until I came into the sanctuary of God. So this way my message will focus on. How did he manage to lift himself out of that situation? He entered the sanctuary of God. In other words, he entered God's presence. So verse 17 is a significant shift. Remember the V-shape we spoke about? He's going down. 17, he starts to come up. So verse 18 and 20 is now looking at the outcome of those wicked that he was envying. They slip, they are now slippery and they fall into destruction. But verse 21, it picks up. There is a personal reflection. Verse 21 and 22. What was I doing? So I'll look into that shortly. As he climbs further up from verse 23, we see three Ps. Presence, power, and provision. Let's say it together. Presence, power, provision. One more time. Presence, power, provision. That will be the structure of the message. Finally, the last two verses, it's a summary. So that's the whole sum taken together. So let's zoom in now on those principles. Verse 21 says, When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, Then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. So it's a time of personal reflection. You know, you lie down in your room and you say, what was I doing? When I was young, we used to dress a certain way. The trouser had to be in a certain way and you had to walk. And I say, now, what what was I thinking of? 
What were we doing? I know some of them are still doing it today. Are you? You act differently. So what he's doing here, he's reflecting. And he's saying, what was I doing? My heart was grieved. I was, my spirit was embittered. I was facing emotional turmoil, grief, and anguish over what he was seeing. So his immediate reaction was to retaliate, to follow natural urges. It happens to us as well. And it's like he's repenting an admission of guilt, an apology. Lord, what I was doing was wrong. He was envying the wicked, dazzled by their wealth, their clothing, expensive cars, jewelry, fame and fortune. So my first application, as we try to understand how to maintain faith, is do not allow your pain or grief to lead you to sin. Sometimes as men we get angry. We say, if I catch that guy who stole my... You know? It's anger. We become aggressive. Others resort to substance. Abuse. Abusing their bodies to forget, in quotes, their troubles. Other times we question God, why me? In fact, the book of Job is an attempt to answer that very question. Why is this happening to me? The righteous are not supposed to suffer. Or so we think. So once we introspect like this, we open the door for God to begin to heal us. Asaph admits that he almost slipped. At his lowest point, he even questioned the value of his faith in God. Let's see what else he did. Verse 23, what does that word say in your Bible? First word of verse 23. Nevertheless, others have yet. It's a crucial word, like pastor tells us. There are some words that are very important. One author says, this verse represents a significant shift in the psalm. Verse 2, verse 17, and verse 23. Remember, in verse 2, we started to slip down, going down, envying, and then questioning faith. Verse 17 was a hinge. We started to go up. Coming out of it. Now verse 23. We are coming towards the climax of our upward movement. It's a shift in focus. Change in perspective. A renewed vision. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. In other words, he's taken his eyes off 
the situation around you, the loss, the pain, and is looking up to God. It's like a catchphrase, look up. He's now looking up. And he reflects on what he has. He has something very valuable. I am always with you, Lord. So this points to God's presence. It points backwards to verse 17, and it points forwards to verse 25. Verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. So he's basically in God's presence. Not only on a Sunday when we come to CBC, or on a Friday when we meet for prayer. I am continually with you. Psalm 139. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. If I go up to the heavens, you are there, to the east, to the west, every direction. Lord, you are there. How many of us experience that? The comfort of knowing God is with us. His presence in the workplace when we are busy at work, in school, on the sports field, in the hospital room, when doing our chores at home. You see, in order for us to transform our thinking, to gain some perspective, we need to go into God's presence. When marriage is failing, go into God's presence. When we are facing trouble at work, go into God's presence. When we have personal tragedy, loss of a loved one, the answer is the same. In prayer, quiet meditation. He says, call unto me, and I will reject you? No. I will ignore you? No. I will answer. He says, draw closer to me, and I will draw closer to you. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Psalm 23 verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Joshua 1, verse 9. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hebrews 13, verse 5. I will never leave you. No. Hallelujah. It's an encouragement for me to know God is with me. So you see that shift in focus. He's taken his eyes off his situation and is looking up to God. Whom have I in heaven but you? Someone says of this verse, he has come to realize the biblical truth 
that God created humans for relationship with him. So how much time are we spending in God's presence, in prayer? The young people, they talk of uh, something called DMC. Do you know what it is, older people? As you know, you are young, Sha. You are one of us. Okay. Deep, meaningful conversation. Here I'm saying deep, meaningful fellowship with God. Spending time where you forget what time it is. And you tarry there in his presence. You want to hear words. You want to feel the warmth and comfort of his spirit as we meditate on his word. So to maintain faith in trying times, spend time in God's presence. The second P is for power. The second part of verse 23 says, You have taken hold of my right hand. So while we are there in his presence, enjoying spending time with him, the psalmist employs a metaphor. You know, as your child reaches out and holds the parent's hand, what do they feel? Safety, security, comfort, renewed confidence, and even a sure footing when they are about to slip. Mom and dad, they are holding me. That is receiving God's power, his enablement, and his ability. Paul says, my grace is sufficient. God is saying that. My power is made perfect in weakness. Isaiah 40, 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And you can look at Psalm 16, verse 8. Psalm 63, verse 8 as well. Psalm 139, verse 10. Your right hand will hold me fast. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Are we still together? Hallelujah. Draw strength. From the Lord. If you have faced hardship or trial, and I know most of us have, it drains you of strength, isn't it? In God's presence, we are revived, we are rejuvenated, we are energized. Meditating on His Word, praying, singing songs of worship opening our hearts to him, drawing closer to him. That's where the power comes from. That's where the strength comes from. Let's look at provision. Verse 24. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. God provides guidance. 
he provides counsel. Sometimes we get confused. What should I do? I've lost everything. Where do I go? The breadwinner of the family has died. How do I feed my children? How do I pay hospital bills? I failed my O levels. Where do I go to now? Are these questions we ask? We need guidance. We need guidance. Sometimes we search the internet, talk to friends and family, wealthy contacts. Asaf shifts his focus onto God. And God guides him. He was struggling with his faith in light of how the wicked seemed to prosper. But the Lord counseled him. And what was the result of that counsel? Remember in verse 13 we said he was now questioning his own faith. In vain have I kept my heart pure. Well, we look at verse 28, the last verse. He says, then I will tell of your works. What a shift from challenging yourself to committing, to witnessing, sharing the gospel. Even today, the Lord will provide counsel for us when we look to him. Psalm 32, 8-9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. James chapter 1, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. So I'm sure you are getting the picture. Presence where we receive power and we receive provision is counsel. His direction. So let's be a bit practical. Some of us young people who are thinking of what career to follow, where to do my attachment, what about my job? I would like to move from this job, Lord. What do I do? Who do I marry? Where do I retire at old age? These are some of the questions. Go into God's presence. Begin to worship and praise Him. Delight yourself in Him. And indeed you will find guidance in God's presence. Amen. Did you see that today? It was clear, isn't it? So in answering this question, how do we maintain our faith when we don't understand? We learn four principles. Number one, do not allow your pain or grief to lead you into sin. And if you have, repent and come back to God. Secondly, the three, one of the P's, spend time in God's presence in prayer. Draw strength from the Lord. And finally, receive guidance and counsel. From him. Let me conclude with the words of this hymn called What God Hath Promised. 
God has not promised skies always blue. Flowers thrown pathways all our lives through. God has not promised sun without rain. Joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing kindness, undying love. Amen. Let us pray together. Lord, even though we've attempted to look at this topic, it is so big, we've only scratched the surface. But we thank you that from your word we receive guidance, from your presence we receive power. We thank you, Lord, for this time we've had to share, to learn. Help us to grow. Help us to commit our lives to an attitude of worship. Being continually in your presence. Thank you for every soul that's here. Those that are listening online, I commit them to you. Those that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray they will make that decision today. In Jesus' name, Amen.